Good church on the rock. My name is Rashad Cunningham. I'm the pastor here. Um, as you've heard, it's a, it's a heavy day for the church family, for the community, for many of us. So I'm going to ask a couple of things. I'm going to ask that you give me grace. Um, this is not an easy position to be in, you know, uh, somebody that you care about. So please give me grace as I walk through this scripture that God has placed on my heart in the last couple of days. Also, um, if you're going to be at the visitation or if you're going to be at the celebration of life, uh, I'm going to talk to Josh and Aaron after this to see if I can wear the exact same thing because I don't have a lot of purple, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but um, no, seriously, I ask people to say good morning, Rashad, in the morning to let me know that you're here, to let me know that you're awake. Today, I need it even more than ever because, um, once again, I need you as much as you need this word. Um, I'm not preaching to you. I'm getting a word from God with you this morning. I'm sitting right next to each and every one of you this morning. I am excited for what's to come with the baptism. I'm excited for what's to come in the next couple of days. But at the same time, I would be lying if I said this is not easy. So when I say good morning, Church on the Rock, I want you to say good morning, Rashad, so loud that Cameron can actually hear us. So actually say it like you mean it. Good morning, Church on the Rock! Praise God. Praise God for that. Amen. So um, we're not doing anything that we planned on doing right now. We are walking in a scripture that is for you, this for me. Uh, to just open it up, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians, verse, I mean, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, and we're going to talk about comfort. We're going to talk about comfort. Now, in the last couple of days, I've been praying over this message. I've been praying, God, what do you say to the church? What do you say to the church family, to the family, to the people who are going to be there Sunday morning? What do you say to them to keep their eyes focused on you? And I think it's very important because we've had so many, we've had 10, 10 baptisms, if you include today, over the last three to four weeks. Give it up for God with that, right? So there's, there's something to that, though. That means that we have a lot of new believers among us. That also means that if we're being honest, a lot of us who may have been believing in Christ for 10, 15 years, we're new believers in a lot of the sense of not knowing what we actually believe, right? So today I'm hoping to present something to you that will strengthen you and where we get our comfort from. Now, before I get started, has anybody been, been caught off guard by something unexpected been caught off guard by something that is just, like, really just, like, we weren't expecting that, and it just caught us off guard. Anybody in here? Am I the only one? Raise your hands, please. Be with me in this. All right, all right, all right. So, you ever been driving down the street, and a police officer pulls out from behind you, right? And you're driving, and you're, you know you're doing the speed limit, but you start, like, associating yourself with crimes you never did, right? Because they're right behind you. You're like, okay, I don't have drugs in the car, Okay, I, I haven't kidnapped anybody. Why, why is this cop behind me? Because you weren't expecting the cop to be behind you, right? And then what happens is this. Then the lights turn on, right? And now you start cussing in your spirit, and you got all kinds of tribulation going on, right? You're like, oh, what's going on? And then the cop goes right past you, right? He wasn't even worried about you, but since you weren't expecting it and you didn't know why his lights were turned on, you were worried and you were upset and you were like all jacked up, right? Well, uh, that happened a couple months ago. A couple months ago, I was sitting in the house 
with my wife, and if you know anything about me and my wife, we do not like unexpected company. Like, please call and tell us before you come. A lot of you call. If I don't pick up, you come anyway, whatever. But I'm just saying. <laughs> so what had happened was I'm sitting in my living room with my wife, and, we, and, and from where she sits on the couch, she can see the front door. And she goes, Rashad. She goes, honey, there's cops outside. And I'm like, there's co- why is there cops outside? Once again, I ain't got no drugs. I ain't got no... <laughs> I ain't got no bodies in the body, you know, like, like I'm worried, right? And, and so I go to the front door, and you know that big light that they have on the side of their little vehicle that they shine on you? It shines on me. I'm in Brownsburg, Indiana. I'm a black man. Yeah. I, <laughs> really? Right? Right? So, so it shines on me, and I step to the door, and I'm like, what is going on? Turns the lights on again, even goes the little woo-woo. Y'all know that sound, right? Woo-woo, right? So I'm, I'm tripping because I was not expecting this. I was not informed of this. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what was happening. It turns out one of our members here, John Flowers, who's a police officer, was dropping off a care package for my sick wife. <laughs> he texts me and he goes, I called. You didn't pick up. I'm like, so you did all of this? And he says... He said, well, you said you didn't like for people to show up without letting you know they're there. (laughs) So so the, uh, the reason I say that, though, is because of this. The reason I say that is because this is what happens in life, right? Things pop up that you weren't informed of, that you weren't expecting, and it shake, rattle, and rolls you, right? We have some teenagers in here. Any teenagers in here? Raise your hand, teenagers, please. All right, what happens when a teacher says, hey, no homework this week. Just go home and read whatever we're telling you to read. You go home and you're like, I'm not reading that. We ain't got no homework. Why would I read the material if there's not going to be any homework? And then you pop into class and they say those two fatal words, pop quiz, right? And now you're upset and you're worried and you're struggling and you're tripping because you're like, she didn't say there was going to be a pop quiz. I would have read it if I knew there was going to be a pop quiz. Y'all better than me, because when I was younger, the two fatal words was final exam, right? And y'all like, well, Rashad, everybody knows when the final exam was. I didn't. I didn't. My mama told me, the teachers told me, but I didn't pay any attention. So when I showed up, and it was like, hey, it's the final exam, I wasn't ready, because I was like, man, nobody told me it's the final exam. But they did. I just didn't pay attention. Once again, all of that to say this. Where we open up in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, I want you to hear this. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed. Now, let me give you some quick context of the Thessalonians. The church in Thessalonica was a church that Paul would have started, some say three weeks prior to writing this, some say three months. Regardless, it's a brand new church. It's a church plant. So these would have been brand new believers, kind of new in what they believe, kind of fresh in what they believe. Like many of you, whether you've been a believer for 15 years or 15 seconds, there's still a lot of things that maybe you're struggling with in a moment like this. So Paul says, hey, we, teachers, the apostles, whatever, we don't want you, believers, to be uninformed or ignorant about what he's about to tell you. So I want to start there. Everything I'm about to relay to you, everything I'm about to give you, this message God has placed on my heart, if you're taking notes, take notes. If you're listening, memorize it, retain it. Why? Because this is vital for your comfort, okay? None of this is for your curiosity. All of this is for your comfort. You will not have comfort 
if you don't pay attention to the next five verses. I had a sister reach out to me at the end of the week, and she said, Rashad, what have you been using to deal with the fact that we've lost Cameron? I said, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. She said, well, while you're sitting there struggling on what to preach, why not comfort us with what you've been using for your comfort? So this is where we're at. Okay, this is where we're at. Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed. Why? Because comfort is lost in ignorance. Your comfort will be lost in your ignorance. If you have ignorance of the truth, ignorance of Christ, ignorance of the gospel, ignorance of the resurrection, then yes, this morning you have no comfort. And there are people who are believers who are still ignorant of the gospel, of Christ, of the resurrection, and therefore maybe they're having trouble this morning. My prayer is by the time we're done with this message, you will have the same comfort that I have found even as I grieve the loss of my niece, my sister, my, my daughter in some ways, the loss of a family member of this church. Amen? So the first place we find our comfort, we find our comfort in what we hope. We find our comfort in what we hope. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul says, but we do not want you to be an uninformed brethren. That brethren right there tells you who he's talking to. He's talking to those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Those who believe that they were sinners and as a result of sin have been separated from eternal life with the Father and as a result know that the only way they can have eternal life is through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Those are the brethren. That is the church. This is who he's talking to. So I'm talking to you right now who are in this room who believe, who have claimed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Caden, I'm talking to you. Uh, Hannah, if she was in here, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to Brookie. She's not in here. But even those being baptized today, I'm talking to them because those are the ones who have given their lives over to Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. He says, we don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed about those who are asleep. About those who are asleep. And this isn't a way of him trying to sugarcoat what death is. Okay? He's not trying to say it in a way where it hurts less or what not. The fact of the matter is because we believe in Jesus Christ, because we believe in what he did on the cross, she is sleep. Do you understand that? You see, death, death and the fear of death and eternal damnation and those things that come with death or being away from the presence of the Father, being out of the presence of the Lord, yeah, we're not worried about that with Cameron. Why? Because she gave her life to Jesus Christ and was baptized in July 2011. Amen? As a result, we find our comfort in what we hope. And this is not a human hope. A human hope is like, I hope the Lakers make the playoffs. I'm not sure right now. We're looking kind of bad. Josh said no. Whatever, Josh. I'm not sure right now. We're looking kind of bad. I think we might do it. But that's the human hope. Why? Because I'm not sure. This is the holy hope, though. This is the expectation. This is me saying, I guarantee you that if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be with the Lord. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. So what we have is a human hope. A human hope is all maybe right? It may happen. It might work out. It's possible. All maybe. But a holy hope or a set-apart hope or godly hope is almighty. Amen? 
A godly hope is almighty. It's not based on you or your earthly circumstances or your bank account or your name or whatever it is that's going on in there. It's not based on you. It's based on God. And because it's based on God, it's almighty, not all maybe. Your all maybe hope is based on your potential thoughts. And those, those potentials become prisons because you're like, this might happen, that might happen. I'm caught in a prison of my potential. But see, the almighty hope is a proven hope. It's a promised hope. It's a guaranteed hope. And what happens is when we believe in that, we realize that our sister Cameron is asleep so that you will not grieve as the rest of the world does or as do the rest who have no hope. This is the only difference between us and the world, period. You see, if I don't believe in the resurrection, if I don't believe that Christ conquered the grave, if I don't believe that Christ conquered death, then I don't have any hope. Then I am grieving differently. My sorrows will consume me because I'll never see my sister again. If I don't believe in what the Bible teaches, then this is the worst time of my life. If I don't believe what the Bible teaches, then my doubts, my fears, all those things are reality because there's nothing after this. If I don't believe what the Bible teaches, then Cameron's life was in vain. 13 years in vain. Why? Because I'll never see her again, my sister again. It's been promised to me, and I'm going to walk on that promise. So what happens is I don't grieve like the rest of the world. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean we don't grieve. That doesn't mean tears don't come. That doesn't mean we don't hurt. That doesn't mean we're not laid low for a while. I mean, the first Bible verse I ever memorized, y'all, give me John 11.35, Jesus wept. Y'all laughing because it's not that long, but it's still, I memorized it, all right? But it says so much about Jesus that he was not just fully God, but he was fully man. Why? Because he wept over his friend Lazarus, who he said was sleep. Look at this. And he knew what he was about to do in the life of Lazarus. He knew what he was about to do, and he still wept. I know what's going on with Cameron right now. She's in the presence of the Father, presence of the Lord, right now, in a place far better than Church on the Rock, in a place far better than Brownsburg, Indiana, 46112, right? Like she's doing way better than any of us, and yet I still grieve. It's a human emotion. It's a human sorrow. So this doesn't make me weak or anything like that. It just shows my humanity. But I grieve different than the rest of humanity. Why? Because I have been informed of where my sister is. And I have been informed on how to see her again. Therefore, I have hope. My comfort is found in what we hope. You see, at this point, at this point, your sorrows, your sorrows are softened because of your salvation, right? We still have sorrows, but they're softened because of our salvation. Your grief, your grief has guard, it's like guarded, it has guardrails. It only goes so far because of, okay, I lost my point, I'm sorry. <laughs> your grief is guarded because of your guarantee, I'm sorry. Your grief is guarded because of your guarantee. And finally, finally, your hurt is healed because of your hope. So if you're hurting right now, you want healing, hope. Go back to what you hope, to what you know, if you know. And this is why it was so vital to Paul. He says, hey, 
hey, I don't want you to be ignorant of this, that those who have fallen asleep in Christ, believers, those who have given their lives over to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, hey, you need to have hope that they're doing just fine. This is where your comfort begins. And if you're not informed of this, then yeah, this is, this is a tough day for you. And it's important that you, actually, that you actually apply this because information without application is still ignorance, right? If I know all of this stuff, like many of us do, but I don't apply it when it actually means something, it's ignorance. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I knew a whole bunch of stuff in school, but then I took the test and couldn't apply it. So I looked ignorant. <laughs> it's the same thing. I can, th- this is why we say, hey, don't take these Sundays lightly. Why? Because eventually you will have a pop quiz in your life. You will have a final exam in your life, and how you respond will, base, will be based on how you've been informed. You see what I'm saying? So when you come, when you come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we're not harping on you to take notes and, and to retain this information for us. We're not begging you to do something after Sunday for us. It's because we know that life is going to hit, is going to come at the, at the worst time possible to try to destroy you, to try to consume you. And the only thing we have to give you is this, God's word, God's promises, and ask you to bank on them, period. I can't tell you the countless hours I spent in this last week returning to my Bible to simply say, Father, you have to keep reminding me of what's waiting on my little sister because right now I just can't handle it. Only comfort I found is in what I hope or expect or what's been guaranteed to me. So our comfort is found in our hope. And this is why we say belief births behavior. Because if you actually believe in the resurrection... If you actually believe in the words in the Bible, if you actually believe in the promises of the Bible, then your behavior will be different than what it would if you didn't. It'll change the way you grieve. It'll change your sorrows. At some point, I got to a place where I said, man, I am so selfish. Why? Because I actually believe that Cameron is going to be with Jesus Christ, and yet I want to hear with me. Paul said this. Paul said, I long, I beg to be with Christ. Why? Because it's better, but because you're still here, I'll stay here with you. <laughs> like, think about this. If God came right now and asked me, Rashad, in the prime of your ministry, you can be here with Church on the Rock, and I love y'all. I really do. I love all of y'all. Or you can come be with Jesus Christ, with, with, with your Father in heaven. I'm going to be like deuces. I love y'all, but I got to go. <laughs> because I'd rather be with my Father in heaven than be here. And I sincerely love you. And I know there'd be, so- I hope there'd be sorrow and, and some grief and all those things. But if you know me, you know where I'm going. If you know me, you know where I'm going to be. And better fa- matter of fact, if you, you don't even have to know me. If you know him. If you know him, you know where I'm going. Amen? So because of that, my comfort in this moment has been found in what we hope. The next verse says this. The next verse says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So the next point we have, our comfort is found in what we hope, but it's also found in what we have. 
You have to hope in something. You need to hope in what we have. I'm going to walk this down. I'm going to give you three R's real quick and just take, take notice of this. Go back to the verse real quick. So he says, he says, for if we believe, so this is what we hope in. This is what we expect. This is what we actually, we see as a guarantee. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, the entire gospel, the entire uh, religion of Christianity, everything we believe is based on that statement right there. Do you believe that Jesus actually died and rose Again, we have the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gives a very quick little monologue here I want to read. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. He says, now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood, my earthly form, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable, my earthly form, inherit the imperishable, which is my heavenly body. Behold, I tell you a mystery. So he's revealing something to you. We will not all sleep. There's that word again. So what he's saying is, for all the believers that are here right now, understand this. Jesus could come back right now. I think he's going to let me finish my sermon, but he could come back right this moment. Amen? That means some are asleep in the Lord. Some are still alive. He says, we will not all be asleep, but we will all be changed. We're going to get to that a little bit. He says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, meaning immortal, right? And we, and we will be changed, for this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. Keep going. He says, but when this perishable, meaning our flesh, our earthly bodies, will have put on our imperishable bodies, and the mortal has put on immortality, look at this, then will come about the saying that is written, and this is one of my favorite sayings of the Bible, death is swallowed up in victory. Look at this next verse. He says, oh death, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Hold it right there, Brent. Don't move. Don't move. Can you say that with me? Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is, no, 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 see, I don't believe that. No, I'm, I'm being serious. I don't believe that. You see, because this is all I got right now. This right here is all I got. You see, if I don't believe that Jesus Christ conquered the grave, if I don't believe that Jesus Christ conquered death, I have no hope right now. So when we say that, we say it like we mean it. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Because this is why I can celebrate the life of Cameron. This is where the celebration comes. Death, you did not win. Cancer, you did not win. My child dying 25 hours at the birth, you did not win. Phil Tucker passing away from a tree, you did not win. Death does not win here. It doesn't win here because Christ defeated the grave. Christ defeated death. So I stand on that hope. I stand in what we have. I have the resurrection because I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If God raised him, he will raise me. This is what Paul says. This is where Paul is. He says, go on. He says, look, the sting of death is sin. Christ died for that. The power of sin is the law. Christ fulfilled that. But thanks be to God who gives us believers the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, he says, so people who believe, believers, look at this, brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. He says, don't let death move you. Don't let it move you. Because right now, this is when things happen. Take it from me. My son died before I knew Jesus Christ. Okay, my son died in 2008. I was saved in 2011. So when my son died, you know what I did right after I lost my son? I cheated on my wife. Why? I had no hope. This is where, it, this is where we, we go downhill, right here. I stopped being, a, I was a deadbeat for my daughter. Why? Because I lost all my hope. I put all my hope in my son, and when my son was taken from me, I lost all my hope, and therefore I lost everything that meant anything to me, and I spiraled downhill. It was not until I heard the gospel message that Jesus Christ died for my sins, that Jesus Christ gave himself for my sins, and if I believe in him, I will see my son again as a result, but more importantly, I will see him. It wasn't until then that I got my life back on track. Because then I saw that death didn't have a victory in my life. My son didn't lose. I didn't lose. Cameron didn't lose. Our loved ones who have believed in Christ didn't lose. So this is why we're urgent. This is why you hear it week after week. This is why we beg you to come to church. This is why we beg you to read your Bibles. It's not because we want to thump you. We love you. We love you. I, I hurt more for the people who knew Cameron, who actually love Cameron, who don't know Christ. I hurt more for them than I even do for Josh and Aaron because they're not going to see her unless they change their lives. That's who I cry for the most. The ones who don't believe yet. The ones who see this and they listen to death and they listen to the enemy and they walk further away from God as a result because they have no hope because they've been uninformed. So I want to inform you now. I want to inform you this morning. My comfort is in what we hope. My comfort is in what we have. We have the resurrection. Go back to verse 15 for me. We have the resurrection, and he says, look at this. He says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord. We have a revelation. If, if this is just me talking with a lot of energy and a lot of emotion and some tears and just with a high volume, it doesn't mean nothing because it's coming from me, a fallen man. But when it's the word of the Lord, I wouldn't even care if this was Paul talking if it wasn't inspired by the Lord. It's not what's being said, it's who said it. Don't you understand? If God said it, that seals it. If he said it, that's it. It actually seals it. It actually means it's promised. So if Jesus, if Jesus says through Paul, if through the Holy Spirit, in this word, if Paul said, look, I want you to know this, that, that we who are alive will remain until the coming of the Lord. We will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So he's actually saying, hey, if Jesus came back right this moment, guess what? Cameron's going to beat us. Why? Because the, go, go to the next verse. Because look at this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ, the sleep in Christ will rise first. So let me help you with some theology real quick. The Bible tells us that to be apart from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. A lot of people ask the questions. They say, what happens when we die? Those of us who are believers can bank on this. The moment you breathe your last breath, you wake up looking, staring in the face of glory himself. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine laying down, 
taking your last breath and waking up in the presence of Jesus Christ himself. Picture that with me. You probably can't. You can't fathom it. My wife wakes up to me every morning, <laughs> right? You, you cannot fathom what it'd be like waking up to Jesus Christ in the morning. And, 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 and so this is what happens. Look at this. It says, go to the next verse. It says, then we who are alive will remain, will, and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. So look, this is what happens. So Cameron, Phil Tucker, Exodus, I go, your loved ones who believe in Jesus Christ, I want you to feel this. When they took their last breath, they woke up, their soul woke up in the presence of the Lord. When Jesus Christ comes back in the rapture, he comes, he descends, he will descend from heaven with the souls that have woke up with the Lord. And when he descends from heaven with the souls that have woke up with the Lord, the bodies that are asleep, the, the mortal bodies that are asleep in the ground will be raised up, will be transformed into immortal, imperishable bodies and reunited with their souls. This is the Bible's promise. And then after that happens, after that happens, look at this. Then we who go back, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. This is where you get like your word rapture from. We'll be caught up. We'll be brought up together with them. Who? The souls that came back and were reunited with their bodies. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we shall always be with the Lord. Y'all can't celebrate that? And here's the thing. You'll be happy to see Cameron. You'll be happy to see Phil. You'll be happy to see your loved ones. But in comparison to seeing Christ, man, there is none. Cam will be happy to see you. Phil will be happy to see you. Your loved ones will be happy to see you. But they're going to be like, but we was happier when we saw Christ. I'm just going to be real with you. I love you, but we was happier to wake up in the presence of Christ. And in this, we have comfort. Because we have the resurrection. We have the revelation, right? We know about his return, right? We have the rapture. We know this. And that's why this only belongs to you. You can only possess this comfort if you believe it. If this is hocus pocus to you, you're not comfortable right now. If this is hocus, if this is just a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo Jesus talk, just church church and knees talk, and I'm trying to make it as plain as possible for you. If you can't believe in this, then I'm hurting for you. Maybe you didn't know Cameron. Maybe you don't know who Phil is. Maybe you didn't know what I went through, but you've lost somebody. You've lost somebody who was a believer. And yet, because this is mumbo-jumbo, you have no hope. You have no hope. You don't believe in an afterlife. You don't believe in a resurrection. You don't believe in heaven. You don't believe in hell. You don't believe in nothing. You believe that all that we're doing here is in vain. But if you're honest with yourself, something inside you tells you that it can't be. And you're just being prideful. You're just being stubborn. You just, you just want to hold on to what you think. I'm telling you, release that. Let go. There's another side to this. On this side here, where we walk with Christ, where all of this is taken care of for us. So, yeah, we grieve. We cry, but it's different. 
It's completely different. So finally, we get to verse 18, and it says this, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So it's not just our comfort is in what we hope. It's not in just what we have, but it's in what we hear. Our comfort, give me that slide, is in what we hear. Now, I'm going to be able to close it out with this. I got a couple things I want to say, and then I'm going to get out your way. I'm sorry. Okay. So he says, go back to the verse. He says, look, he says, therefore, comfort each other. Comfort one another with these words. What are you actually comforting each other with in these times, right? People say so many things in tragic times, and, and, and half of it is opinions, conspiracies, and thoughts, and there's no comfort in that. Paul says comfort each other with the word of God. Like when we was at the hospital, people came and sat down with me and were asking me questions. And, Pastor, how do I get through this? How do you get through this? And all I had for answers was the word of God. That's all I had. I didn't have nothing else. I was like, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm not trying to be insensitive in the moment. But all I have for my comfort is what he's promised. And if that's not enough, you won't find anything else. Nothing else out here will give you the comfort. You, and like I said, this is when people run to food, run to immorality, run to sin, and none of it brings comfort. None of it brings comfort. If anything, it makes it worse. I run to the word, and it brings me comfort, right? So what are you comforting each other with, and what are you allowing to comfort you? What are you actually allowing to comfort you? I, I, I saw the most beautiful thing. Let me, take, let me take you in the room real quick. I saw the most beautiful thing. Liam, Liam, Cameron's youngest son. I mean, the, sorry, sorry, brother, sorry, baby brother. Liam, Cameron's baby brother, walks in that room, and the family, myself, friends, we're in there, we're praying, and we're crying, and we're watching Cameron get ready to see Christ. Our tears are because we want her here with us selfishly, but we know where she's going. Liam walks in, and he sees mom, dad, brother, sister, pastor, uncle, friends, friends, family friends, crying, so he takes on the moment like we should. Like we should. He, he looks around. He's like, okay, people are mourning. People are sad. So I'm going to be sad. My sister's asleep. In his eyes, my sister's asleep. I talked to you guys. Liam saw his sister asleep, as we should, right? He walks in, and he sees the tears. So he is in tears with them. He's in tears with them like, you're crying. I'm going to cry with you. I, I'm, I, he's, he's hugging daddy. He's trying to console daddy and console big brother. Big, he even came and hugged my leg. He's trying to console his pastor, his uncle, right? He walks out the room, he goes into the waiting room, and, and we're in there, and then when we clear the room, we walk into the other room, and Liam is as joyful as ever. Why? Because he trusts in God. Honestly, that's the faith that we need, right? I heard from, from Taylor Matthews, her, her son Carson, heard the news, heard the news about Cameron. If you know Cameron, when she walks in, kids just attract to her. She walks in here, the kids attract to her, right? So, so Carson is being told the news about Cameron going with the Lord. And you know what Cam excuse me, you know what Carson said about Cameron? This is this is faith. This is real faith. Carson said, you know what? Jesus loved Cameron so much, he wanted to make her his Valentine. You see that faith? You see what happens when we stop doing all the prideful, theological, understanding this and understanding. We just go back to when we were kids and said, he's got the whole world in his hands. You see what happens when we believe what we've been taught, 
when we believe what we see as an eight-year-old child or however old Liam is, as as the youngest sibling of all who is showing us the example, let me tell you something. In these moments right now, whether you like it or not, the world is watching us. The world is watching the Allens. They're watching this church family. They're watching the Allens family. They're watching this community of people gathered right here. And they're saying, what are we going to hear come from your testimony right now? What makes this different for, for, for you than it would be for me? So we respond the way Paul says to respond. Knowing what we hope knowing what we have, and knowing what we hear from God himself. If you realize none of this has to do with what you need to conjure up, it's not your strength. Matter of fact, in your weakness is when you're strongest in the Lord. So what I'm asking you to do today, Church on the Rock family, Allen family, friends and family, those of you who believe, live in a way, grieve in a way, grieve, how you, what you believe will change how you grieve, Amen. Grieve in a way that shows we miss our daughter, we miss our sister, we miss our cousin, we miss our niece, we miss our blessed family friend, we missed, we miss Cameron. We miss her dearly. She's not here with us right now. But we know that where she's at is far better than where we are. And we can only envy. We can only envy what she is seeing right now. We can only hope that we see the same thing. At some point, these songs we're about to sing, you got to understand, we don't choose songs because they're, they're popular. We choose them because we believe them. When we say God is good, even now, Those of you who are in this house right now who are like, how is he good? It's because of what we hope, what we have and what we've heard. That's why he's still good. And and, and when we talk about fighting battles and and when it looks like we're surrounded, because we're so surrounded with grief and sorrow and pain right now, but we still trust that we're surrounded with God. And and when it feels like the night is holding on to us in depression and and doubt and fear, we know that God is still holding on. So he will not let us down because he told us he won't let us down. He promised us he will not let us down. And if God fails to be faithful, he fails to be God. So I place my trust, I place my hope, I place my everything in regards to Cameron on that fact. And I stand strong for my brother, for my sister, for his family, for you, and I ask that you do the same for me. Please join us in singing. Never gonna let me
they told us, they told us in the past week, in the past week, they told us that she had a cancer that had no cure, and yet God held on for a year to let us spend time with our little girl. I can't wait to see her again. But more importantly, I can't wait to see her with Christ. I ask that these words, that, that this message is one that you actually pack away for yourself because there will be more pop quizzes, more final exams that will catch you off, off guard. And it's these words that Paul has shared with us. It's these words that will minister to our souls and bring comfort in these moments. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just being who you are. We thank you for being in control, Father. Father, we thank you for the years you have given us with our little sister. We thank you for all of our loved ones who have passed away in Christ. We look forward to the day, Father, that you reunite us. We look forward to the day, Father, that we're caught up in the heavens with them. Father, I ask that you be with the Allen family over the next, not just 48 hours, but three months, six months, years, Father. I ask that we're not those fickle friends, that fickle family that only shows up in the moment, but then is nowhere to be found when they need us most later on. Father, I ask that the tears we're shedding this morning are more than just an emotion. That's because of what we actually believe, Father, and that some of these tears are tears of actual joy, knowing that because of your Son, Jesus Christ, who none of us deserved, we will see one another again. May we rest in that. May we find our comfort in that fact, the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his precious name that we pray. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.